are going to study the Bible tonight, so go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're, we just started uh, the book of Joshua last week. So we, we're literally just taking the book of Joshua, and we're just going to go through it. Um, chapter by chapter. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We, we set up the book of Joshua last week talking about some pictures in the Old Testament that will help you understand that Joshua isn't just a boring book about a bunch of guys who lived thousands of years ago. It's applicable to our lives today, right? And so we saw last week uh, some of the pictures. I want to see who remembers some of them. If you were in our 9 a.m. class a, a couple months ago, you know some of these already because we, we talked about uh, these pictures. Who does the nation of Israel in the Old Testament picture today? Raise your hand if you know it. Yeah. New Testament Christian. The nation of Israel as a whole represents you as a New Testament believer because of the many things we're going to see in a second. Okay? Um, the promised land, the nation of Israel, they, they went 40 years through uh, the wilderness to get to the promised land, which was called Canaan. What does that picture for us today? Somebody. I'm going to see if, okay, three gambles are raising their hand. I wonder if anyone who's not a gamble knows the answer. <laughs> Nothing against gambles. I, I love me some gambles, but does Ben know the answer? Can you say it? What is the promised land picture for us today? Spiritual maturity. It's not heaven, right? Does anybody know why Canaan, the promised land, doesn't picture heaven? Because some people think that. Can you give me just like one? Yeah. Yeah, they, they go into the promised land, and then they got to fight a bunch of wars and kill a bunch of giants. That's, I mean, that's just one reason. There's other reasons, too. But the, the important thing for you to realize is that if the promised land was heaven, then that would make life way easier for a Christian. Because God has a lot more on his agenda for you than to get saved and die and go to heaven. There's way more. There's way more that he has for us, and we're going to see that in the book of Joshua. But having these pictures down will help you understand these things. And then we got two uh, main characters. we got Moses and Joshua. What is Moses' picture? Anybody? The law. Moses pictures the law. He was the law giver. He wrote down the Ten Commandments when God gave them to them. Anytime you see the law in the Bible, typically you'll see Moses somewhere around that as well. Moses pictures the law. And Joshua is a picture of whom? Jesus. Awesome. Good job. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. The law couldn't bring Israel into the promised land. Only Jesus could do that. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. And actually the name Joshua is Jesus in Hebrew, which is pretty cool. So Joshua, the Hebrew name, is translated Joshua in English, and that same name in Greek is translated Jesus. It's the same name, which is pretty cool, because we're going to see that Joshua, Jesus, can do things that the law can't do. Okay, In Joshua, what we're going to see is Israel, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they're going to cross over the Jordan River. They're going to begin to possess the promised land that God promised them. We only saw two verses last week, and they were the first two verses of the book of Joshua. So let's go ahead and just read those really quick so that we remember what's going on. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, the river, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Right, so Moses is dead. This is where we're at this week. It's now Joshua's job to lead Israel into the promised land. Okay, and tonight we're going to look at verses 3 through 9 of chapter 1. And in them we're going to see God's commendation 
for Joshua. Okay, God is going to commend Joshua. The word commendation or commend just means to, to entrust or give a charge, right? So um, I'm trying to think when people give charges to people. Don't they do that like graduation? Does your principal do that? Like kind of give up, get up and give you a charge and be like, hey, oh, the places you'll go, right? And they do the whole Dr. Seuss book. That's kind of like a commendation, right? So he's just, he's just charging Joshua, and, and we're going to see what God has to say. Let's read just the next couple of verses. Look at verse 3 through 5. God is still talking to Joshua. He says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So God is starting to show, well, he's not starting to show Joshua the plan. He's reminding him of the plan. He's, he's told Joshua through Moses this in the book of Deuteronomy. You can go read that on your own time if you want to. Moses tells Joshua, Joshua isn't blindsided like, oh, Moses is dead. I'm the guy? What? No, he knows this. He was Moses' successor, and God is telling him, listen, now's the time. Moses is dead. It, it's, it's, it's your ball now. You're, you're the pitcher. This is your game, and, and you got to step in and bring these guys into the land. And he says, but don't worry, because every place that the sole of your foot touches, I'm giving to you, right? He's, and, and there's two very key things in verse 5 that, that he says that I want you to see. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You know why? Because the first four, five chapters of the Bible are written by Moses and about Moses, <laughs> well, maybe not Genesis so much, but Moses is a big deal, and he led the people out of Egypt, brought them out of bondage, through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and to the promised land. And now it's Joshua's turn to go into the promised land, and God says, listen, I will be with Moses, as in the guy who did everything for Moses, I'll be that guy for you. I, I'm going to be your God just as I was with Moses. And then he says, oh, by the way, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And that's so key. God is saying, you're my man now, Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead, and now you are that guy. You're my right-hand guy, and, and it's your job. I'm, I'm commending you to bring my people into the promised land. And he says, I won't fail thee, and I will not forsake thee. Such an amazing promise to have from God. He's, could you imagine God charging you to do a great, seemingly impossible work, and God says, don't worry, I'll never leave and I'll never forsake you. Well, why? why? Why is that a big deal? Because he's promising. If Joshua just obeys him, God's going to do all the work. Joshua isn't going to have to worry about it because he's giving him every place that, his, that the sole of his foot touches. God says, you're my guy now. So go do this work, but I will never leave you, and I will not forsake you. If you just do what I say, this is all the things you're going to accomplish. So let's keep reading. Verses 6 through 9. And then we'll dig into him a little bit more. He says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou, shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. That's Canaan. That's the promised land. Verse 7. He says, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This is what God has to say to Joshua. Before he goes in, it's kind of like the team is getting ready to play the other team in, in the finals of whatever sport game they're playing. This is a good analogy. And the coach is like, hey, my star sports player of the, the, the key position of this sports team. He says, he gives them the charge. He gives them the command. And he says, listen, let's just pick a sport so this isn't so dumb. Football, Super Bowl, right? And, and he tells Case Keenum, Case Keenum might be in the Super Bowl. What in the world? And, he, and he, the coach says, listen, man, this is your day. You got to go win this game, man. And I'm going to be right here with you. And, and, he's, and he's charging him. He's, he's hyping him up, right? And, and that's what God's doing. He's telling Joshua, listen, man, I got this. You just got to do it. And there's a couple of words that he says several times there. Did anybody catch two words that he said uh, several times? Anybody catch them? No? Okay, you should have paid attention. He says a couple words. He says strong and courage a couple times. Three times he says be strong and be either of a good courage or very courageous. Two time, or three times he says you got to be strong and you got to have courage if you're going to do this. He's, he's telling them this isn't going to be easy, but the key to this thing that I want you to do is strength and courage. And our tagline for this Joshua study that we're doing is going where God leads. And what God wants you to see tonight in his word is that if you want to follow God where he leads, it's going to require strength, it's going to require courage. And that's why the title of the message tonight is Strength and Courage. It's not an easy path to follow God. It's not easy. I know that Laodicea in 2018 now, Christ, uh, American Christianity, makes it seem like being a Christian is easy. You go to church on Sundays, and that's it. It's not that. That's not Christianity. Following God is not easy. It takes strength and courage, and that is why many Christians will die and go to heaven someday, never fulfilling the purpose that God had for their life. Yes, a lot of them will be saved, and yes, a lot of them will go to heaven, but they will have never grown to spiritual maturity. They're going to go to heaven as babies because they never grew they never followed God. They got saved. They got their fire insurance, said, I'm not going to hell. Thanks. And that's it. And then they sat on their butt for the rest of their life. That's a lot of Christians in 2018. Following God where he wants you to go, the promised land, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take strength. It's going to take courage. Do you want to go where God leads you? If the answer to that question is yes, or if you're thinking about it, I want you to see a few things tonight from this passage. Going where God leads requires strength and courage. And our three points are going to be the reasons why. Because he says that three times. Have strength and be of good courage. Number one, going where God leads requires strength and courage because you have a job to do. You have a job to do. Joshua had a job to do. Go back to verse 6. Just reread verse 6 with me really quick. Here's the first one. He says, be strong and of a good courage. Why? For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God had a job for Joshua. The goal that God had for Joshua was to take the promised land and to divide it amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a pretty cool goal. That's a big job, though. That's a long-term goal, really, because what does Joshua have to do from where he's standing to get to that goal? 
Uh, do they have an inheritance to divide yet? Not yet. <laughs> They're still standing on the other side of the river. So that the long-term goal is God says you're going to divide the inheritance amongst all the people. What's he got to do to get to that point? Uh, cross the Jordan River with a billion people, or however many there was, enter the promised land, fight and conquer a bunch of enemies, because guess what? There's people living there already. <laughs> they have to go wipe these people out. The long-term goal is something really cool, but, but what he's going to have to do to get there is going to take strength and courage. And when Joshua is feeling weak and he's feeling inadequate and he's feeling scared because the battles around him are, are consuming him and he's always fighting and he's always battling, he must remember the big picture that God's given him. He's got to remember the goal, the end game. Because his end game, what God had given, the job God had given him to do was not only to lead them in, but to, to lead them in victory and to divide the inheritance, to, to possess the land. Not simply to just cross the Jordan, but to possess the land and to divide the inheritance and to make it their own. He's got to remember that when the going gets tough. By the way, what's the source of the strength and courage that Joshua is going to have to find when the going gets tough? Verse 5. When God says, I will not leave thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That's, he, he doesn't have to find his own strength and courage. That's why God is commending him. That's why God is giving him this pep talk right now. Because he's saying, listen, it's going to take strength and courage, but that's okay. Because I'll never leave thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. That's the source of all strength and courage. Is God's promise to fight for them. Joshua needs to be strong and of good courage because he has a job to do. And Christian, God has given you a job to do as well. He didn't save you and say, okay, hang out here until I come back. No, he didn't say that. It's gonna require strength and courage. God, remember guys, God didn't send his son so that he could become a man, die a death he didn't deserve on the cross and pay for your sins so that you could get saved and then sit on your butt and watch Netflix for the rest of your life right? That's not why God did that. He did that because he has a job for you to do, and it's Matthew 28, right? It's the Great Commission. In verse 18, Jesus says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Man, what a job. God has given us a job to do that seems just as far-fetched as Joshua's. He says, listen, you need to go to all the earth and preach the gospel. You need to go make disciples of all nations. Well, how can we ever do that? Well, check it out. He gives us a similar promise as he gives to Joshua, doesn't he? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, God, if he orders something, he'll pay for it. But we gotta go do it. We gotta trust him. And God tells Joshua, I have a job for you to do. And man, it's going to take strength and it's going to take courage. This is, this is no game. This is the real deal. You are a general in my army and this is going to be hard. But don't worry, I'll never fail thee. I'll never forsake thee. And Christian, I know that it's hard to be a Christian in 2018 in high school. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to not try to blend in with the crowd because if you are a Christian and you actually stand up for Christ and for morals and doing the right thing, you're going to get completely obliterated and mocked by everyone. I get it. But guess what? 
God will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He's given you a job to do, and it's not easy, and that's why it's gonna take strength, and it's gonna take courage, but you can't take your eyes off the end game, the big goal. Yes, it's hard. You're only in high school for four years, though. It, I know it seems like forever now, but it flies by, and all of a sudden you've been out of high school for 10 years, and you're like, when did that happen? There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger goal. Don't blend in. Next, going where God leads requires strength and courage because your success is completely dependent upon your obedience to God's word. Your success is completely dependent upon your obedience to God's word. Look at verse seven and eight again. Verse seven, he says, only be thou strong and very courageous. There's the second time. Why this time? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse eight, a lot of you guys know this. It's a camp verse every year. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Some of you might already know what I'm going to say before I say it right here. This is the only time the word success is in the Bible. The only time. There's one verse, one usage of the word success in the Bible. And that's important because if you're interested in what God's view of success is, it's verse 8. You know what God's view of success is? Do you know how God measures success? He measures it by how you respond to what he says in his word. That's how God measures success. Well, the world measures success by how much money I make and what degree I get and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's not how God measures success. God measures success in how you respond to his word. In verse seven, God tells Joshua to be strong and very courageous, notice. Very courageous. It takes a little more courage to do this one than the others. To do what? To do according to all the law and to turn not from it. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. There's going to be temptations over here. There's going to be temptations over here. But you need to keep your head down and focused on the straight path that God's word is illuminating, right? Thy word is a, light unto my, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so you got to keep walking. He says, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. you got to do all the law. And so it is with you. If you want to be successful, in God's eyes. If you want to be successful, you have to seek to do all that God's word says. Don't, steer, don't, don't veer off the path. Stick to the path. And it's tempting to veer off the path in this world that we live in today. I know it is. Sometimes you don't even realize you did because we start tiptoeing up to sin and see how close we can get to it before we know it. The path's over there. <laughs> and so God tells Joshua, listen, if you're going to do this thing, and you're going to lead this people, and you're going to do the job I've given you. It's going to take strength and courage. And one of the biggest reasons is because, man, success is measured by God's word and what you do in response to it. And in today's day and age, it's not cool to live by the book. So it's going to take strength and courage. Verse 8 gives us three things to do with God's word. And I want to camp here for a second because they're so important to how you live life. Three things to do with God's word according to Joshua 1.8. Speak it. Think it and do it. Speak it. He says, it shall not depart out of thy mouth. Think it. Meditate therein day and night. Do it. Observe to do according to all that is written therein. So teenager, 
Do you want to be successful in life? I, I know that when you get to be a junior or a senior, everybody is just hounding you. What school are you going to? What do you want to be? What, what, what degree do you want to get? If you're not going to get a degree, what profession do you want to go into? And, and it can get stressful. It can get overwhelming. Seniors, have you gotten overwhelmed yet? It's 2018. You're graduating in four months. You feel the heat? I know. It's not, it doesn't even seem fair sometimes, does it? But you know what? Being successful in God's eyes is, being su- is, is different than being successful in the eyes of the world. If you want to be prosperous and you want to have success in God's eyes, and if you want to follow where God's leads, God leads, and if you want to please him, man, speak God's word. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. You know what happens when you don't let God's word depart out of your mouth? That means that you're not going to speak other things that shouldn't come out of your mouth, right? You won't, you won't fit in with the world. You won't spew the filthy garbage that comes out of their mouth because you're too busy not letting the word of God depart from your mouth. See that? It's really hard to fit in with the world when only God's word comes out of your mouth. And when you speak God's truth and you speak God's love, that's, man, you want to be successful, do that. That'll change a lot of things. Also, think about God's word. It says meditate on it day and night. That means think about it all day. Meditate. I know that sounds like weird mysticism stuff. It's not. Meditate just means to dwell on something, to think about something, to contemplate it, to chew on it, right? You're, you're constantly just thinking and contemplating and, and meditating on it. And if you're constantly thinking about God's word, will you have to worry about the other thoughts that creep into your mind? that leads you to temptation, that leads you to lust, that leads you to sin? No. See, all of the, God's word is the answer to all of those things that you struggle with every day. There, it's the answer to all the things that I struggle with every day. But if we would just simply seek to do what the word of God says, man, we'd be, we'd be on the right path. If, if you can learn to think about the book and think about God's word and to meditate on it day and night. You won't have to worry about those other thoughts creeping in. I want to give you some verses on this from David in the Psalms. Psalm 10, 4 says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. You know the wicked don't think about God? They don't think about God's word. The wicked. David also says in Psalm 119, Verse 113, he says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. He says, I hate thoughts that have no purpose, that are vain, that are worthless, but I love thinking about your law because that has purpose. It has meaning. It, it, he, 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 oh my gosh, if you just read Psalm 119, that entire chapter is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about God's word and how much David loves his law. He loved to think about it. Psalm 139, verse 17, he says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart, he cries. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If we can give our thoughts to God and, and, and replace those worldly, fleshly thoughts with God's word, guess what? You're on your way to the promised land. You're on your way to conquering whatever that, that enemy is that you haven't been able to conquer yet. Simply by learning to, to speak God's word and to think on God's word. Let me go another place because so often when we talk about this kind of a thing, we talk about, well, just quit saying dirty things, teenager. Teenagers say dirty things. What about this? What about these thoughts? Because we always talk about thoughts that lead us to sin. What about things that don't seem so bad, but they, they're not as fun? What about depression? Ooh, that's a tough one. We've all been there, right? 
Everyone's been depressed at some point in their life. Some of us maybe have it worse than others. Listen, I know I'm not a psychologist and I'm, I'm not here to diagnose you, but I just want to tell you, if you deal with that, the best biblical advice that I can give you is that if you struggle with depression, think on God's word. That's, that's the best advice I can give you because when you're depressed and you think about the things that make you depressed, you get more depressed. I know, I had to go to college to learn that, right? When you're depressed and you think about the things that make you depressed, you get even worse. But you know what God's word says, Philippians 4? Write this down. If, if, if you struggle with this stuff, write this reference down, Philippians 4, 7 through 9. God says the peace of God. You want peace? When someone's struggling with depression, they want peace. It says the peace of God that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense why I have peace now, but I do. It passes all understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. And then, it, and then Paul says, finally, brethren, check this out. This is the key verse. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know what? When you find yourself getting to that state that makes you depressed, quit thinking about the things that make it worse. You know what you think on? Whatsoever things are true, not the things that lie to you. Well, I'm depressed because of my body image and the world says that I'm not beautiful. You know what God's word says? God's word says you're beautiful. God's word says that you are adequate. God's word says you are valid. He does have a purpose for you. Don't think on the lies. Think on whatsoever things are true. Think on whatsoever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtue and praise. Think on these things. You know what those things are? It's God's word. If we can learn to meditate on his book day and night, I'm telling you, it will solve these problems for you. But you gotta learn to think on these things. Not only speaking God's word and, and thinking God's word, but doing it. This one's even more important than the other two because it's, he says it twice. He says it in verse 7 and 8 to do what God's word says. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Listen, if you come in here every Wednesday night and maybe even every Sunday and you're, you're a twice a week church Christian, that, man, that's a great thing. But if all you ever do is hear and hear and hear, but you never do, you, you never put into action what God teaches you through his word, then it's not helping you. It's not doing anything for you. If you're just a hearer of God's word and not a doer, how will you ever go where God leads? Or how will you ever do what God has commanded, right? We have to speak it, we have to think it, but we have to do it. We have to put it into action. Because if we do that, Verse eight says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. God measures success by how you respond to his word. That's important. And that's very practical for your life too. If you don't, if you leave tonight not remembering anything, remember that part of this message tonight. God's word is so integral, not only to your success, but how to live your life for the Lord. You can't do it apart from his word. You can't grow apart from food. And for the Christian, God's word is our food. Lastly, going where God leads requires strength and courage because God is with you wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go. Verse nine, Joshua one. 
After saying all these things, God says, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. That's the third time he said, be strong and of courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Christian, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, right? That means he's with you whithersoever you go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's Hebrews 13. It's in the New Testament too, not just the Old Testament. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So why do we get so scared? Why do we get afraid? We can be so strong and have good courage. And notice, when God is telling Joshua this, he starts off by telling him in verse 5 that he'll never forsake him and he'll never fail him. And then he ends in verse 9 by also saying, hey, don't worry, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you whithersoever thou goest. He starts by saying that and he ends by saying it because it's the most important. We can't do anything apart from God. We can't do anything without him. And we'll see in, in, in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 7, they're going to try to fight a battle without God. It doesn't work. They're actually going up against an enemy with a smaller army than them, and without God, they lose. You can't do anything apart from God. God is with you wherever you go, and he'll give you. He's the source of the strength and the courage, because with him, apart from God, we can't do anything, but with him, we can do everything. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, Paul says, which strengtheneth me. God is the, the source of of strength and the source of courage. So if you don't feel strong and you don't feel courageous, maybe you feel weak and you feel afraid, guess what? Go to him. Go to his word because he's the source and he'll give it to you. Going where God leads requires strength and courage, but don't worry because that source of strength and courage comes from God who said he'll never fail us. And he's promised us, go back to Matthew 28 and verse 20, after he gets done telling us to go ye therefore and teach all nations and, and do all of that stuff. Could you go over to the Great Commission for me really quick? Thank you. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he says what he says to Joshua, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Guys, he's with you. You don't have to be afraid. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, this, this commission that he's given you is hard. It's going to take strength. And it's going to take courage. But he is the one who gives that. He is the one who will fight the battles if you'll let him. He'll do it. It's important. Because he's the source, source of our strength and courage. I like Psalm 23 a lot. We, this is a, a camp verse. It's, it's kind of like the bonus. If you want to get them all, you've got to memorize all of Psalm 23. So maybe, m maybe a lot of you guys know this one already. But check this out. Think about this in this context. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means not I won't desire. In old English, want means I, I shall not need, I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm strong? Because I have found my inner strength? No, because thou art with me. David, all of these guys knew their strength came from the Lord. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. That, man, that is the perspective to have. Because yes, the journey is hard, and, 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 the, and the job is hard that God has given us to do, but, but, he will give you strength, he will give you courage if you turn to him, if you let him fight the battles. So yes, following God is hard, and yes, there will be battles, and yes, there will be enemies, and it's not gonna be easy. Yes, it requires strength, and yes, it requires courage, but guess what? This is the last thing on your sheet. All it takes to be strong and courageous is having faith that God will do what he said he will do. That's all it takes. Strength and courage, biblically, comes from simply having faith that God will do what he said he would do. How else? I mean, you start going through the stories, and we're, I mean, we're gonna see them as we, un, as we break down Joshua over the next several weeks. Think of all the stories. How else can a little, a, a little shepherd boy named David defeat a giant Goliath how else, unless his strength derived from his faith that God will do what he said he would do? How else can Daniel go into a pit of lions and, and have strength and courage unless he simply had faith to do what God said he would do? How can someone move across the, the globe to another country to share the gospel with people they've never met before unless their strength and courage derived from their faith in God doing what he said he would do. That's where strength and courage comes from. And if you're willing to embark on this journey with us and to actually try to go into the promised land and possess it and to kick out those enemies that have been defeating you since you were a little kid, you know what? It's gonna take strength. It's gonna take courage. But God will give that to you if you ask him and if you have faith in him and if you trust his word. So I wanna ask you guys tonight, will you determine tonight to go where God leads? Because that's the journey we're embarking on when it comes to the study of the book of Joshua. Even when it gets hard, and the enemies are scary, and the world tells you to turn around, ask God tonight for strength and courage. Because he will give them to you. He will give them to you. I didn't put this in my notes, but there's a really old book that's called Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. It was written a long, long time ago. Um, they have updated versions in updated English, but I'm partial to older English anyway, right? <laughs> but if you read Pilgrim's Progress, the entire story is an allegory about a guy named Christian who's embarking on a journey to get to the heavenly city. And the entire point is it's an allegory for the journey that the Christian is on. And Christian, the main character, he encounters battles with enemies and he encounters different hardships. And he runs into friends that betray him and he runs into friends that are that are good helpmeets for him, that encourage him. And you know what? At one point, he, he, he says, as he's getting ready to face a big enemy, he says, I, he, he was scared. And he says, you know what? To turn back means certain death. To keep going forward means potential death, but heaven on the other side. I'll keep going forward. So let me ask you, Christian. Yes, it's gonna be hard. Yes, the battles, they're gonna be tough. Yes, the enemies are gonna be scary, but... What have you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, if you lost it all, the worst case scenario is you get to see God today. <laughs> Man, it's not that scary when you put it in that perspective. God, he's the source of strength and courage, and it's gonna require it because he's given us a big task. But if we want to change the world for the Lord, and if we want to mature and grow and, and, and be able to share the gospel with other people and disciple other people and to actually do something for the Lord, 
We've got to trust him. We've got to have faith that he'll do what he says he'll do. And man, just let, just, just let him use you. Let, let him use you as a tool in his hand. And he'll do way more work than you could ever do by yourself. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight and I thank you so much, God, for showing us in your word what it takes to be successful in your eyes. The world portrays so many things that are the opposite of what your word says are successful. God, your word just tells us if we'll simply just think on your word and speak your word and do according to everything that your word says to do, we'll be successful. We'll be successful and we'll be prosperous in your eyes. We might not be successful and prosperous in the eyes of the world, but that doesn't matter. God, we, we desire to please you. We want to follow you and we want all that you have for us. So God, I pray that everyone in here tonight, man, they would just decide right now it doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter how scary it gets, but I am going to press forward and I'm gonna follow the Lord and I'm gonna go wherever you lead and it's gonna take strength and it's gonna take courage, but I'm putting my faith in what your word says, that you will be with me whithersoever I go. Lo, you'll be with us always, even unto the end of the world. God, man, make us more like you. Grow us into your image and God, help us to complete the, the mission you've given us, to share the gospel with everyone that we come in contact with, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what you've done for us. Father, I love you. I pray that you'd be praised in this last song that we sing. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.